Happy Friday, y'all. Big hug to all of you from all of us here at the BCP Media Studios. Would you believe that we're almost two-thirds through the first month of 2023? I think I finally got it down that we are in 2023, no longer in 2022. Here's to a interesting year. Folks, I haven't reported in a while on the food and fuel crisis. What happens with human nature is that we're very resilient and we're survivors. And what happens is, and the deep state and the cabal and the globalists know this, that they can impose these crazy things on us and we fight and kick back, but then we adapt and it becomes normal. So some of the things that outraged us a year ago, high fuel prices, the continued shortage of things uh, like uh, diapers and baby form, excuse me, baby formula and things of that sort just become like the new normal. The key word is they program us to just accept it as normal. And we've seen that the fuel prices and the food prices have upset a lot of people, but a very interesting thing is happening. And that is that people are protesting about this more in Western countries. Now we would see protests more in Latin America, Africa, Southeast Asia. But according to a report from the American University, the worldwide food and fuel crisis saw a spike in protests in countries across Europe last year. The report on the living protests, the living, the cost, the report on the cost of living protests across the world in 2022 has found that the number of demonstrations on the issues of food and fuel spiked in Europe last year with France, Germany, Italy, and Spain all being significant flashpoints for political unrest. Now, what's interesting to this is that they say, and the ones who, the uh, Friedrich Ebert Stiftung said that, uh, in speaking to Politico, said that the trend is historically unique with France, Germany, and Italy, and Spain all making it to the top 10 list of the countries that saw the highest number of cost of living protests. Now, we can kind of discount France a little bit because they've had the uh, the Yellow Vest movement. Uh, I was there for the Yellow Vest movement. What was that? 2019. I was in France when that was happening. Uh, but... And you do see some in Italy and Spain, but what's really interesting is Germany and how many they've had. Of course, many of their protests, most of their protests were actually due to energy, less so for food, because obviously they're getting hammered with that because of their dependence on Russian oil uh, and energy. So found that to be very, very interesting. And then there was this that I found very interesting. The study goes on to suggest that while more research is needed, there are significant indication that these protests have benefited political groups on the left, center-left, and the so-called far-right, with mainstream establishment parties likely to face significant difficulties in holding on to power over the coming years. So, for instance, here in the United States, we have the Uniparty in D.C., right? We have the, what we call rhinos or moderate Republicans, and then the establishment Democrats, and who have mostly, for the uh, most part, have gone far left. But once again, folks, this is one of those things where the far left and the right, or you can just say the left because just center left and the right agree on there's a problem. But of course, their solutions are vastly different. 
the far left is saying, oh my gosh, fuel prices and food prices have gone up. The government should do something to help us with this, that we need more government intervention. Whereas those of us on the conservative, on the right are saying, government intervention is the problem that has led to high fuel and high food costs. Let's get government out of these market decisions so that we can have better food and fuel prices. Like for instance, not stoking wars. Speaking of which, the Biden regime yesterday announced yet another huge, colossal, monumental, massive, extraordinary, uh, back-breaking weapons package for Ukraine. I wonder how many more adjectives I could have put in there if I scripted these reports. Folks, you don't understand that these reports are not scripted. So I ask for your apology if I'm not as polished as those reading off of a screen. This is pure passion because I love this country. I love the Constitution and I love all my fellow men and women throughout the world. And I want us all to be free of tyranny and control by people who do not have our best interests at heart, but have their best interests at heart. This truly is a global struggle. The U.S. pledged $2.5 billion in a military aid package for Ukraine, and it includes the following. 59 Bradley fighting vehicles, 90 striker armored combat vehicles, 53 MRAPs, 8 Avenger air defense systems, 350 Humvees, and harm missiles. Why don't we just send Ukraine over to Afghanistan and go, hey guys, you're in a war. Go pick up all the damn stuff that Biden abandoned on purpose by design so that China could reverse engineer it. I hope you know this, folks. That was one of the biggest pro-China things that Biden has ever done was the full bar withdrawal from Afghanistan. We left, what is it, $83 billion, $60 billion. I don't remember the exact number now. Tens of billions of dollars worth of military hardware that the Taliban grabbed, sold off a whole bunch, and made sure that China had their pick of uh, of the litter so they can reverse engineer it. We already saw this on satellite, that there were Chinese already uh, getting and going through the hardware we left there. Now, let's not forget that the Biden regime has already sent billions of dollars to Ukraine over the last year. The war hasn't even been one year, folks. And we've sent billions. And don't forget that uh, Zelensky uh, went to the White House. He got red carpet treatment. Kevin McCarthy and everyone else, oh, I'm wearing the Ukrainian flag and, and Ukrainian uh, colors. And then... He gave an angry speech saying, we need more American taxpayer money. We must have, you must, you must, you must. The same thing that Zelensky did yesterday at the World Economic Forum in Davos. And he called out a country that we recently, uh, I just the aforementioned Germany I just mentioned a moment ago. Politico is reporting, President Zelensky criticized Germany's hesitation to supply Ukraine with heavy tanks on Thursday morning in a video speech at a World Economic Forum event in Davos. By the way, anyone else notice how Zelensky 
when he first became president, maybe it's just me, maybe it is a Mandela effect, if you will. But Zelensky's last name in the beginning was spelled with one Y. And of course, back then we used to say Kiev. Now we say Kiev. And Zelensky's name is spelled with two Ys at the end. That's been going on for a while, but I do remember when the standard spelling was not two Ys at the end. Or is it a Mandela effect? I don't know. I don't know. Germany, who is under heavy pressure from its European allies to deliver, to deliver some of its Leopard 2 tanks to war-torn Ukraine, has been waiting on the United States to take the lead. Germany is actually being pretty smart in this. They always have been. The whole world is. Why the hell should we pony up anything? Let's put it all in the United States. Folks, let me remind you of a very, 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 very important fact. One, geographically, we are on the other side of the damn world. Now, I am more of the isolationist, non-intervention philosophy. And the second thing is that Ukraine is not a NATO country. We really have no business or any sort of commitment to Ukraine. But... Those are just small little details they want us to forget as they raise our taxes to fund a foreign war, which is just money laundering that comes back to the pockets of the politicians and their family and friends who voted for these huge swaths of cash and taxpayer-funded monies out of our pocket into Ukraine. Zelensky goes on to say, when someone says, I will give tanks if someone else will also share his tanks, I'm strong in Europe and I can share if someone outside of Europe will contribute as well. I don't think this is the right strategy. Interesting Zelensky would say that. Hey, we're in, you guys are in Europe like we are. Why are you dependent on the United States that is outside of Europe? Yeah. Hey, Zelensky, why are you so dependent on us if we're over here as well? Anyway, not to go into too much details of the infighting in Europe over this, but it's interesting because Poland and Finland have said they're willing to uh, supply Ukraine those Leopard 2 tanks, but they can't do it because those tanks are made in Germany and they must uh, they, they, they must get permission from Berlin, the, uh, the government in, in, in Germany. And uh, it's probably going to happen because today, Friday... There, there is a, a major counter-offensive meeting going on against Russia. The bleeding of the West continues in idiocy as the warmongers and those in the military-industrial complex worldwide and, of course, the arms dealers taking our supply that China isn't reverse engineering and slaying it throughout the world. All right, folks. Ken McCarthy is surprisingly working very hard to do the right thing and has been quite busy this past week. Now, the verdict is out. I don't trust Kevin McCarthy that he's doing it for the intentions that I would like someone to be doing it for. But I'm not in his heart. I don't know his intentions. I just know he's a swamp creature. But he seems, he appears to be doing the right thing and we've got to give credit where credit is due. Now, Kevin McCarthy is now putting pressure on vulnerable Senate Democrats to take up the fight and pressure Schumer 
to pass some smart legislation that will be signed by, or at least make it to the desk of Joe Biden. Okay, so in McCarthy's first week as Speaker of the House, he was able to pass a handful of bills that will inevitably put pressure on the vulnerable Senate Democrats, like Joe Manchin of West Virginia, Sherrod Brown of Ohio, John Tester of Montana. And here is one of the ways he's going to do it. They have a bill in the House, which passed, which would restrict oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve being sold to China. That should be an obvious, like, no-duh, right? No-crap Sherlock type of uh, bill that should have already been in the... should already been law. I asked myself, how come we didn't take care of something like this during Trump era? But during Trump era, we had a surplus, right? We, we were energy independent. And I guess people, people weren't really thinking too much about the SPR, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. 113 Democrats actually sided with the Republicans in passing this bill. So McCarthy is putting pressure and saying, hey, Manchin, Sherrod, and Tester, uh, Sherrod Brown and Tester are all kind of vulnerable and they're up for re-election in the coming years in states that are either gone more red or are more middle of the road. And with 113 Democrats joining the Republicans saying, yeah, let's not sell this oil to China, you would think that this would be taken on. But since they can't really talk to Chucky Schumer, who unfortunately, because of what happened last year, controls what gets voted on and what gets uh, looked at and what gets pursued at the Senate level, him being the Senate majority leader, he's putting pressure where the pressure needs to be put on these Democrats who are vulnerable, who are supposedly moderate Democrats to get things done. It is interesting and heartening, I am cautiously optimistic and always will be when it comes to Kevin McCarthy, that he is playing smart politics, not just within the House of Representatives, so we don't just have all of these bills being passed that are symbolic but don't go anywhere, but actually working on smart policy that can make it through the Senate. Now, will China Joe actually sign those? That remains to be seen. But with this kind of massive support in the House, if there's that kind of massive support in the Senate, uh, his veto could be challenged and overturned if he doesn't want to side with America and wants to continue siding with China. By the way, let me give you an update on what happened with the FAA. But before we go there, let me just do the official introduction into the show. My name is James, Black Conservative Patriot. I am your host. We bring you, I bring you, actually, real news every day. So please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. We have a sister channel called the BCP Report. Please check it out. Junorette dropped a report several hours ago. Uh, BCP Junorette is my eldest daughter in her early 20s, about to... Uh, graduate college and uh, she does daily reports over there no commentary she just gives you the facts gives you the reporting and moves on to the next story so if you just want to get reports without uh, commentary make sure you check out her show over at bcbreport.com or the links the links everything I'm describing are down below Uh, we have our off-platform show it's called BCP Unfiltered and you can find that over at therealbcp.com or bcpextras.com. 
I uh, I looked I hadn't looked at uh, in a while the uh, the reviews for our show. Now I'm hesitant to say this because some haters will probably go out there and mess up my great record so far. But the show BCP Unfiltered is also available on Apple Podcast and Spotify, and hopefully by next week we'll be working on it over the weekend. We're going to roll this out to, but uh, probably. We'll start it in the weekend and then wrap it up the first part next week. By the end of next week, a week from today, we'll be on all the major podcasting platforms. And on Apple, uh, we have a perfect rating with dozens and dozens of reviews. And one of the popular um, feedback that we got or uh, reviews, it says, it's so good to hear James, a.k.a. BCP, reporting the news without the filters of this platform. That's why it's called BCP Unfiltered. Not because of language. My show will always be PG or PG-13 rated. Yeah, we'll call out the rat bastards. But what I get to do there is report on news items and, and do report on news items that I can't touch on this platform because of their community guidelines and rules. Nothing bad, just we want to explore certain things that are just off topic here. So make sure you check it out on bcpextras.com, therealbcp.com, or bcppodcast.com. FAA said, oops. They admitted yesterday that its staff unintentionally deleted files in a key computer system, and that caused the commercial airline ground stop, the first since 2001, 9-11, back on January 11th, which affected more than 11,000 flights. For those of you that don't like coincidences, I didn't realize that until right now that the, the January 11th commercial ground stop affected more than 11,000 flights and hadn't happened since 9-11-2001. Interesting. Reuters is reporting that the FAA said human error occurred while personnel were working to correct synchronization between the live primary database and a backup database. But here's where this is suspect to me. One... Canada had the same issue the same day, but they didn't have to ground their flights. And this little thing happened that the outage actually occurred on January 10th, but they didn't do the stoppage until the 11th, the next day. There's something going on here, folks. And by the way, I will be covering that more in depth over the weekend and the weekend reports that I'm preparing. Okay, guess what? The Supreme Court cannot find the leaker of the overturning of Roe v. Wade draft ruling. Isn't that interesting? The investigation into who might have leaked a draft Supreme Court opinion in the landmark Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization case last month appears to be done, and they don't know who the culprits are, but check this out. They have not uh, questioned any of the Supreme Court justices themselves in this inquiry. The leak to Politico, an unprecedented breach of protocol, caused an uproar and led to a wave of protests and violence, not the least of which, do not forget, an attempted assassination on Justice Brett Kavanaugh. The investigation by the Marshal of the Supreme Court included a forensic investigation of laptops, laptops and phones but found no relevant information from these devices. 
Although the report released in a statement by the court mentions the interviews of almost 100 employees, it does not discuss any interviews of the justices themselves who appear to have been held beyond any suspicion. Hmm. Politico, which published the leaked opinion originally, noted cheekily <laughs> on Thursday that the report is silent on whether the nine justices on the court last term were interviewed as part of the investigation. Now, at this point, it's probably easy or logical to conclude that perhaps one of the leakers was a, uh, the leaker, excuse me, or leakers if it was a plot, were the justices or a justice themselves. Of course, you have everyone investigated if you're the one who did it, but you keep yourself out of that investigation. All right, let's get into Trump news. Very frustrating, but I told you this was going to happen. I've been mentioning this since last year. A federal judge in Florida issued nearly $1 million in sanctions against President Donald Trump as an attorneys over their frivolous, as he calls it, lawsuit filed against Hillary Clinton and several other defendants involved in the Russia collusion hoax. So if you recall, less than a year ago, in March of last year, Trump sued Clinton, the Democratic National Committee, a.k.a. the DNC, and others for their malicious conspiracy to wave a false narrative that Donald J. Trump, the then Republican opponent to Hillary Clinton, was colluding with the hostile foreign sovereignty. We know from John Solomon, who broke the story a couple years ago, a few years ago, that the whole entire Russian collusion hoax was started after Hillary Clinton and her people did some polling and found out that what was most damaging to her was her coziness with Russia because of the Uranium One story, uh, thanks to Peter Schweitzer and Breitbart and, and conservative news at that time that was really amplifying the Uranium One story that was damaging to her, damaging to her across the board, politically, you know, across women, men, liberals. And I like the fact that she was cozy with Russia. So she took a play out of the demonic Saul Alinsky playbook of accuse your opponents of what you are guilty of. So, so she was cozy with Russia. She and her people came up with the Russian collusion fake narrative with help of Perkins Coie and then getting Christopher Steele, etc. Well, all these people were involved in this lawsuit. For instance, it was Clinton, DNC, uh, former DNC chairwoman De Debbie Wasserman Schultz, uh, Clinton campaign chief John Podesta, the Perkins, Lowy, the Perkins Coie law firm, Fusion GPS, Christopher Steele, and then, of course, all the FBI agents, those rat bastards that were caught, but still haven't been punished in any way, shape, or form. And that would be James Comey, Andrew McCabe, Peter Strzok, and Lisa Page. Well, Judge Middlebrooks yesterday, a Bill Clinton-appointed judge, imposed a $937,989.39 sanctions for which Trump and his lead attorney, Alina Haba and Haba Madayo and Associates, are jointly and severally liable. See, this is what I've been talking about. If you question or fight legally in the courts against the deep state and their malfeasance, whether it's what they did in 2020, what they did in 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2022, not only will the courts screw 
you over and us over, they will go after those who brought the suit. Millions of dollars were spent on the, the, the Mueller investigation. They were spent on going after President Trump. Nothing there, but President Trump does his legal right of going after them. And then he gets sanctioned for going after the treasonous traitors, rat bastards that try to diminish President Trump and what he had accomplished and that he was not a Russian stooge, which we have found out who really is. Middlebrooks wrote, the judge in the case, the case never should have been brought. It is it is inadequacy as a legal team was evident from the start. No reasonable lawyer would have filed it. Intended for a political purpose, none of the counts of the amended complaint stated a cognizable legal claim. 31 individuals and entities were needlessly harmed in order to, to dishonestly advance a political narrative. A continuing pattern of misuse of the courts by Mr. Trump and his lawyers to undermines the rule of law, portrays judges as partisans, and diverts resources from those who have suffered actual legal harm. Wow. All right, folks, you notice how we're not hearing about Paul Pelosi anymore? Whatever happened to that? Whatever happened to the Las Vegas shooting? Hmm, all these unanswered questions. Well, let me just give you an update real quick, folks. I didn't give this to you when it happened about a week ago. But there is a coalition of New York organizations that include the Associated Press, they filed a court motion in San Francisco. They want evidence against the man charged in last year's attack on former U.S. Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul Pelosi. This is a report from the AP themselves. During a preliminary hearing, the San Francisco District Attorney's Office introduced audio and video evidence against David DePape, the man accused of attacking Paul Pelosi, but has refused to release the evidence to the media. Attorneys for the coalition said in the motion that the public and press have standing to assert their rights to, of access to court records and proceedings. By the way, this coalition is some folks that generally aren't on, on our side. They want to report the truth as well, or at least get the information to spin it. I don't know. But it's interesting. It's not just the AP. It's the New York Times, the Washington Post, the LA Times, the San Francisco Chronicle, the Press Democrat, CNN, Fox News, CBS, ABC, NBC, NPR and KQED, they all want access to this information. Don't forget the story changed lots of times. Paul Pelosi said, my friend is here. He's got his underwear. He broke in, but the glass is on the outside. The uh, police said that someone else opened the door, but then it turned to be Paul Pelosi. He said everything is fine, but then he was attacked. Uh, uh, Paul DePape has uh, injuries that were sustained at the moment because they said they had to shoot him for those injuries before they arrested him. Then he went to the hospital, but what were those injuries? What really happened? Of course, they do this war of attrition where they don't give us information, they'll give us information. They let the scandal age until no one cares about it and then some information will dribble out. But by that time, we're on to the next story, the next scandal, the next crisis. But anyway, that is the latest. Last week, a whole bunch of news outlets are uh, filed a motion to have this information being hit, uh, that's being hidden from us. Man, the Pelosi's are powerful in Northern California. How many times have Paul Pelosi, they've been covering for him and his male companions. 
Let's get to the border, folks. 220,000 migrants were apprehended trying to cross the U.S.-Mexico border in December. That is a record for the month of December. And that is why, as the Epic Times is reporting, at least three dozen Texas counties have now declared an invade, declared an invasion or have asked Governor Greg Abbott to declare an invasion at the U.S.-Mexico border. And the, the, the this continues and continues unabated by design by Joe Biden, the treasonous traitorous rat bastard, Alejandro Mayorkas, the, both of which have, should be impeached for their dereliction of duty and for defecating and not upholding their constitutional oath. Okay, we got some uh, palace entry coming out. Mike Pompeo is uh, saying that Nikki Haley sided with, I never heard this before, Javanka, <laughs> Jared Kushner and Ivanka, to become Mike Pence's replacement in 2020 in Trump's re-election bid of 2020. Nikki Haley schemed with Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump to become then-President Donald Trump's number two, even while she was serving as a 45th President's ambassador to the United Nations. Ex-Secretary of State Mike Pompeo relates in his forthcoming book. Mike Pompeo, who I like, who also says he's going to be running against President Trump most likely in 2024, along with Nikki Haley, by the way. That's what he said in his book. Pompeo writes in an, ex- in, in an excerpt of which was obtained by The Guardian that Haley played John Kelly, then the White House Chief of Staff, by showing up to a supposed one-on-one Oval Office meeting with Trump with the president's daughter and son-in-law, son-in-law in tow. As best Kelly could tell, they were presenting a possible Haley for President, Haley for Vice President option, Pompeo writes. I can't confirm this, but Kelly was certain he had been played and he was not happy about it. Clearly, this visit did not reflect the team effort, but undermined our work for America. So Mike Pompeo is saying that he wasn't there, but Chief of Staff, John Kelly at the time, says that there was essentially an ambush of what was supposed to be a one-on-one meeting in which Haley was being put up as the replacement for Mike Pence to be the running mate for the 2020 elections. And that was all being coordinated and pushed and championed by Kushner and Ivanka. Now, it gets even more interesting because now we got... Kellyanne, Kellyanne Conway, who is in the Mike Pence crowd and support. This is also coming out. Okay, so she uh, Kellyanne Conway was on Fox News. Uh, that was uh, yesterday. And talking to Brian Kilmeade, this is what happened. She shared about what happened in 2020 in efforts to remove Mike Pence as VP. Kellyanne Conway, former White House counselor to then-President Donald Trump, told Fox News Thursday she seconded claims from Trump-era official Mike Pompeo that former U.S. Ambassador Nikki Haley was trying to replace Mike Pence on the re-election ticket. So now we have two witnesses corroborating that this really happened. On the Brian Kilmeade show, the host asked Conway about the claim purportedly made in Pompeo's forthcoming book. Kilmeade reported Haley was scheming with presidential son-in-law Jared Kushner to replace Pence ahead of the 2020 election. Quote, that is true that there were people trying to get rid of Mike Pence off the ticket beginning in like 2018 or so. 
She said that this was a fool's errand in part because Pence brought key political credentials among evangelicals and women to the Trump ticket. Now, by the way, Kellyanne Conway has not been shy in the past, uh, sharing her displeasure or disagreement with Jared Kushner. She actually blames him for President Trump's loss in 2020 and takes credit for President Trump's win in 2016. Very interesting. Okay, and here's the last story I want to share with you folks. Uh, It was tweeted out by Congressman Byron Donalds, black conservative young guy who got nearly two dozen votes to be Speaker of the House during that fight for the speakership the week before last. And he says, he tweeted out, Today my D.C. office received a copy of the world-renowned book Uncle Tom's Cabin by Harriet Beecher Stowe. Whoever sent this book did so with hate in their hearts and the desire to depict me as a sellout. And then he goes on to quote Bill Russell, concentration and mental toughness are the margins of victory. And folks, that is what I am here. Your host, James, the black conservative patriot. I am all about mental toughness. If you don't know my story, I became a I was a liberal. I was a Democrat. I was I had long dreadlocks down on my shoulders. I was all about uh, fight the power. We need more government help, which of course only an 18-year-old who is naive would think that we need to fight back against the government with more government help. But I became a conservative as a freshman on the campus and student of UC Berkeley. Mental t- toughness is necessary for all of us. Uh, we have some unique challenges as black Americans being conservatives. And I hope that I at least can inspire you to be mentally tough against the liberal nonsense and liberal mental illness coming from your friends, family, and neighbors. I love you, my fellow patriots. I support you. Stand strong. I will be back later today with more news updates. Until then, ciao, goodbye, God bless. Don't forget to check out our other shows in the links below. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to this episode. Hope you're having a great weekend so far. We're about to, if you're still working.